0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Tammy Bruce. I'm Juan Williams. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, May 26, 2022 i Lisa Brady, a search for solutions born out of grief in a Texas town.
2: We need people to come together and unify in, one, helping us heal, helping Evaldi heal, and then ultimately get to a point where there isn't another Evaldi that takes place.
3: I'm Dave Anthony. The Top Gun sequel Maverick opens in theaters this weekend. And you know who hopes a lot of people go see it? the Air Force.
4: Yeah, I I gotta tell you, it is a tough recruiting environment right now. Uh, It's really the toughest we've had in about 25 years.
5: And I'm Tommy Lahren. I've got the
1: final word on the Fox News Rundown. Today should have been the last day of school before summer break at Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Instead, the end of the school year was cut short by Tuesday's mass shooting.
6: Evil swept across Uvalde yesterday.
1: Governor Greg Abbott holding a briefing in the town on Wednesday, revealing more information about the 18-year-old suspect, Salvador Ramos, who shot his grandmother in the face before the school shooting, writing about that minutes before the mass shooting, and warning he would target an elementary school. Facebook says those were private messages, not public posts. Anybody
3: who shoots somebody else has a mental health challenge period.
1: But the governor says Ramos had no known criminal or mental health history. He recently bought two AR-15 style rifles. Texas Public Safety Director Steve McCraw says Ramos was engaged by one of the school's officers at the back door, but got in and gained access to a fourth grade classroom, barricading himself in it and opening fire until a multi-agency law enforcement team converged on the classroom and a border patrol officer killed him.
2: Obviously, this is a situation we failed. in the sense that we didn't prevent this mass attack. But I can tell you those officers that arrived on the scene and put their lives in danger, they saved other kids.
1: Several officers were among the injured. One sheriff's deputy lost a child. At least 19 children and two teachers were killed, with others in serious condition.
0: I think the word, and it may be an overused word, is their processing.
1: Fox's Eben Brown is in Uvalde, where the day after the shooting was also long and painful.
0: They're still trying to figure out how this happened and why someone who lives among them did this to them this was not a stranger this was not a person who traveled a great distance and selected a target after meticulous planning to try to make some kind of message about racial warfare or something that we had to experience a couple weeks ago in Buffalo New York this is someone who lived literally About two blocks away from the school and in fact most of these kids who went to the school lived within a few blocks I have to imagine this this elementary school. It's a small school Uh, is smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood. There are people who live across the street, across a very narrow street, the kind of street you would see kids riding their bikes on without worrying about traffic, that kind of neighborhood. And that's where the school is. And this uh, gunman lived not too far um, after he shot his own grandmother in the face, took the car and started driving towards the school, crashed the car, ran into the school, and in one particular classroom did what he did. And you had a number of parents waiting at a, a downtown civic center uh, for information. Um, in some of these cases, these parents were up through the night and didn't get that final word until early this morning. So you can imagine just just how long of a night that must have been.
1: Mm-hmm. I know you spoke with uh, some of the families who are trying to process mm-hmm. all of this and, and you know, whether they have someone who they've lost or someone who survived. Either way, it's a lot to process.
0: Sure. I spoke with a gentleman by the name of Cody Iduarte, who actually lives a couple hours away in in an even smaller town uh, than Uvalde. Uh, And he has relatives here. And he was working and he got word that there was a, a shooting and uh, he made some phone calls and later on at night, found out some very devastating news about a little cousin, and I'll play a little bit of our conversation.
7: Anne-Marie Garza is uh, a, the daughter of uh, a cousin of mine, and um, I haven't been able to speak to him yet. Um, we're probably going to go over there and talk to him um, after this. It's, it's just difficult. It's di- just difficult to think that because we, we have we have children the same age, and um, it's difficult to think of, of uh, his loss. You know, of, of the loss that he's that he's facing right now. I mean, what can you say about that? You know,
0: there is actually one more thing he can say because that wasn't the only child in the family to be. Affected in this another child of that family another little cousin was also shot and that child Lisa lived
7: she was the one that survived she was I I believe what they said is that she was shot five times and uh, Praise God that the the doctors were able to to save her life Um, uh, They actually the news had originally um, um, reported that she had died but uh, it, it turns out that that uh, doctors were able to save her. So just think
0: of that for a moment. Yeah. Being uh, incredibly sad and incredibly grateful at the same time. But again, we we began this conversation about processing. And I don't know how you process that. I, I don't have the expertise as an adult or as a parent myself to even think of the steps you would take.
1: It strikes me how quiet it sounds in Uvalde. I can hear the birds chirping as you're speaking hopefully um, you know it's the the tranquility that's inherent there is going to help with the healing process
0: it's a quiet town I think even over by the main street even the traffic is very light it's just a soft din it's not busy heavy screeching tires honking horns it is a small town and um, uh, it that's the type of town that we're in here Uh, everyone Pretty much knows everybody. You know, when you when you come from a small town, uh, your neighbor might be mayor, and even if it's not, you're probably on a first name basis with the mayor, uh, and and that's kind of what this town is like. I mean, it, everyone knows everyone, uh, or knows someone who knows someone, um, all in the best ways. So that's why I think it's it's specifically harder to even contemplate that the person who did this. It was very likely a neighbor, someone they might have passed by just on any old day of the week.
1: During Wednesday's briefing in Uvalde, Governor Abbott was confronted. By former Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who is running for governor.
3: Sit down. You're out of, you're out of line oh, and an embarrassment. Hey.
1: Texas Senator Ted Cruz among the officials shouting back at O'Rourke. Sit,
4: sit down. Oh, the next shooting is right now, and you are doing
1: nothing. O'Rourke has been criticizing the governor on gun laws and calling on him to cancel a speech at the NRA convention this week. Taking questions after the interruption, Governor Abbott said cities like Chicago, New York, and L.A. haven't solved the problem with tougher guns laws and that what's changed in recent decades is the mental health status in communities.
2: A lot of people are are very upset, ultimately.
1: Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez represents the 23rd district in Texas, which includes Uvalde. He's also a Navy veteran and a father of six.
2: And I will say, you know, there's a lot of politicians that try to score political points. Now's not the time for any of that. I mean, my community of Uvalde is, is turned upside down. You know, I actually grew up 38 miles from here in Camp Wood. And so Uvalde is really home, and it's a very tight-knit community. It's uh, about an hour and a half from San Antonio. Everybody knows everyone. And, you know, to score political points, we don't need that. We need people to come together and and unify in, one, helping us heal, helping Uvalde heal, and then ultimately get to a point where there isn't another Uvalde that takes place.
1: You have been strong in your support of Second Amendment rights. Do these kinds of horrific events make that position more difficult?
2: No, I believe in the Constitution. I swore oath no to the Constitution when I was 18 years old. Did 20 years in the military, I swore an oath to the Constitution as a member of Congress. I believe in, in our country. What, what I will say is my district's very large. It goes from San Antonio to El Paso, larger than 30 states, and I actually represent 119 cities. And when I visited Uvalde about over a year ago, we sat down with the county judge, who's a Democrat, the mayor, who's a Republican, and, and the sheriff. And we sit down and I go, hey, if there's one thing I could do for you, what would that be? and we all agreed that it would be a new mental health facility so uh, we started working on that collaborating together and the county actually donated land for this so that's done Uh, i was able to secure two million dollars through a community project i say all that to go we need to have communities come together and get to the forefront of any kind of crisis And, and i think part of that is is addressing the mental health issue it's certainly growing
1: The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has issued a call for bipartisan work um, on the issue. Moderate Democratic Senator Joe Manchin has said he would consider expanded background checks and red flag laws to be common sense legislation. Do you see any areas of common ground on those proposals or others?
2: Uh, You know, I think sadly it takes a tragedy to bring attention to an issue And, you know, a lot of these people that you mentioned, they're politicians, they're career politicians, and they view the world solely through a political lens. And and I'll be more specific. You know, last week, nonetheless, I got a visit from uh, Max Charhart, uh, and he's the father of one of the victims of Parkland. And he sits in my office. And we start talking about it, and he goes, Tony, you know, you know, we really need to protect our schools. There's a piece of legislation called the Alex and Luke Act, and he walks me through it. I go, Max, I'm a father of six. I agree with you. I get pulled in all these different directions like these other members, but, yes, let's bring it up. And he goes to mention that Schumer was actually the one that kind of prevented some of this. So, I mean, I don't want to point fingers, but what I'd like for us to do Let's sit down. Let's talk about real issues, real problems and find ways to help folks, not just score political points with our own party.
1: What do you say, though, to people who maybe aren't politicians and are, you know, critical of some of the things that you've said in the positions you've taken? Because you have gotten a lot of pushback on social media for gun rights positions and people kind of saying, hey, we, you know, we don't need more thoughts and prayers. We need action.
2: I would say we absolutely need more thoughts and prayers. I'm a man of faith. Uh, I represent a community that is very faith-based. And when you lose everything, faith is oftentimes the the only thing you have left. So we we absolutely need to love one another and treat each other in a positive way. What I also say is you don't have to be a member of Congress to make a difference. You know, if we're relying on politicians to get us over the finish line, especially on some of these tough issues, we're going to be relying on, you know, forever, if you will.
1: It seems like there's this kind of permanent dividing line between those who want to focus mainly on the guns and the purchasing of the guns and those who argue, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Is that a permanent dividing line? Is there any way to kind of bridge that gap to finally make some progress on the issue of gun violence?
2: You know, I think what often happens is you have the parties that you kind of go to your corner and you talk to your base and you kind of keep these things going. Uh, You know, I'm optimistic if we have more people, in, let's just say Congress, that have never served before, that are more focused on solutions and less focused on getting reelected. That's how we ultimately bridge it. If we have the glue that brings us together, because at the end of the day, when there's a a horrific accident or or, uh, uh, event like this mass shooting that occurred, everybody's impacted. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, a Republican. They don't ask who your father was or your mother. You know, it's just everybody's impacted. And we got to be able, and this is not only on violence, on a lot of things. We're Americans. We have more in common than we don't. And we have to stop with the hateful rhetoric and be more positive and more solution-oriented.
1: Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, thank you very much for your time.
2: Great. Thank you.
6: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to
3: foxnewspodcasts.com.
5: This is Tommy Laren with your Fox News commentary coming up.
3: Coming this weekend to a theater near you. The earth is 70% water. Something Tom Cruise can only do in the movies.
6: And 30% land.
3: You'll see pilots who aim high for real.
6: But the entire sky belongs to us.
3: That's a new Air Force commercial. It'll play like a movie trailer. Before the long-awaited Top Gun sequel, Maverick, and the Pentagon hopes it'll inspire a lot of young moviegoers to consider joining the service. At a time when recruiting is down and it's struggling to meet its annual goal,
4: we actually had a lot, a lot of fun with this commercial.
3: Major General Ed Thomas is commander of the Air Force Recruiting Service.
4: You know, I can remember uh, back in 1986, it was was I was getting ready to be a freshman at Texas A&M and the Corps of Cadets, and. I went and saw Top Gun and I just got excited all over again about the military and aviation. And frankly, we just hope that this next movie brings that renewed excitement for people who want to join, frankly, any branch of the armed service.
3: Yeah, I know Top Gun must have had a nice effect on the Air Force, also the Navy, right?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Back in uh, back in 86, we got a nice recruiting bump, both in the uh, the Air Force, the Navy, it extended to the other services as well. And so that's part of the reason that we wanted to uh, to do a just a tailored commercial that just puts on full display all that the Air Force does. And anytime the American people get a kind of that inside, really, in this case, cockpit view, realistic look at what we do. Uh, you know, it gets people excited about the mission. And Top Gun was one of those movies, even in 86, when it came out and the the cinematography and the technology they had at the time, super realistic movie, uh, you know, all things considered. And, and this one's poised to be or is from everything, I gather, even more so this time around.
3: What about the you say realistic? What about the behind the scenes stuff when the when Tom Cruise and the other, you know, the other actors are not flying when they're interacting with one another is the camaraderie. Is that similar?
4: You know, I haven't, I've only seen the first one. I haven't had the opportunity to see the, the, the new movie yet. Uh, You know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of poetic license. There's a lot of Hollywood in there, (laughs) but I will say that one of the key reasons people, are attracted to and join the military is community. It's that camaraderie. It's having that, uh, that wingman, that battle buddy, that person that you can depend on in any situation, whether in peace or combat. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, in a sense, there is a lot of reality there.
3: But why then have things gotten a little more difficult for recruiting? You're maybe short of your goals so far for this year. What is it that's changed
4: yeah, I got to tell you, it is a tough recruiting environment right now. Uh, it's really the toughest we've had in about 25 years. There's a couple drivers, uh, you know, that are influencing the market right now. Uh, I'll kind of break them up into two. Uh, okay. Let me just talk about the the short term first. Okay. Uh, the short term drivers affecting us is we are, as you know, in a 50 year low on the unemployment rate. Uh, there's 4.3 million more jobs out there than people looking for jobs. Uh, so a very, very low unemployment rate. It's great for the country, uh, but it does affect recruiting uh, significantly. And then the other in the short-term bucket is uh, two years of COVID. Yeah. This is two, two years of, of not being in schools, two years of not being out in public spaces, air shows, community events, county fairs to be able to build those personal relationships with uh, these potential recruits.
3: Yeah. How how important is it for you to get directly into the schools? What percentage do you think of the recruiting class you get is directly from that?
4: It's a very large percentage and it's very important. Uh, all our studies, all our data tell us that while... You can do, um, you know, virtual connections and you can do digital marketing and you can do any kind of uh, number of impersonal ways to be able to connect with recruits that the military member that they meet and interact with. It could be their mom or dad in the military, their aunt or uncle or that recruiter is really the most significant influence. Because like anything else, uh, that firsthand experience, that personal experience, getting to meet somebody, talk to them, see them in uniform, ask what their life is like, that's huge for us.
3: You're talking about short term, but in the long term, there is a shift also. The U.S. military is smaller than it used to be. and, And maybe there are fewer people who have a Mom or a dad or an uncle who was in the military was active, and they don't have that direct influence on their decisions.
4: Yeah, Dave, the, the long term problem is really the most concerning. Uh, you know, we've been forecasting this, our, our analysts have seen this coming now for a good 10 years or so, but I think COVID was an accelerant that really pushed things uh, and put us in a a tougher position. So longer term challenges, I just kind of call it our math problem. I mean, we've got a significant math problem right now. As you said, uh, we've got a bigger country, smaller military, less bases, less touch points for people to be able to understand and relate to who we are as a military we've also got declining interest in serving overall and these things are obviously connected we've also got declining eligibility you know about 77% of american youth in our primary recruiting ages don't qualify for the military today with, without a waiver why, that's is an american
3: why is through, so only 1 in 4 are even eligible so that's a pretty small universe what is it that's caused that shrinkage
4: It's a number of things. It's uh, it's fitness. In some cases it's being overweight. It's medical issues, uh, maybe diabetes, asthma, you know, a number of things. It could be, uh, behavioral issues, uh, criminal issues in their background, mental health issues. There is a number of things that can disqualify a youth from coming in. Now, I will tell you though, Dave, we work really hard to get to yes. If we've got somebody who's hungry and they desire to serve and we can get them there, we work hard to do it and we can waive some of these things. But at the end of the day, what we owe the American taxpayer is is a fully qualified, uh, you know, hard charging, you know, young American who's ready to serve.
3: All right. We talked about COVID in the last couple of months. Of course, there's lots of stories, all the vaccine mandates and controversy about that. The military has them. Does a potential recruit have to be vaccinated?
4: They do have to be vaccinated once they ship out to basic military training. Okay, Um, it is it is a requirement.
3: Not everybody the Air Force recruits is going to be Tom Cruise flying in a jet, right? You're not all you're not just looking for pilots.
4: No, not at all. Uh, You know, there will be a few that will go be those top guns. That will fly solo in an F-22, you know, across uh, the mountains of Alaska or the, uh, you know, the the Pacific Oceans. Um, but uh, we've got about 200 different jobs. When you figure officer jobs, enlisted jobs, you can do everything from uh, be a medic to put out fires, to, to build runways. Basically, anything that you can do just about in a major U.S. city, you can do in the U.S. Air Force.
3: Now, when I was growing up, we had movies. Stripes was more of a funny one, but there was like full, there was like <laughs> full, there's yeah, exactly, there's like and that's an well, it's a great movie, Sergeant Hulka, but there's also like Full Metal Jacket and you see Basic training. And it looks so horrible. And it scared me. And and I'm not saying I was going to go in the military. I didn't have anybody in my in my family who was an influence for me. And, And I, you know, so I didn't choose that path. But it certainly scared me. Do you think that that scares people, too? Do people have a misconception of what basic training might be?
4: Yeah, I think there are a lot of misconceptions. Matter of fact, we put a uh, we put kind of a video documentary out called basic uh, that's out on YouTube that helps people understand what basic training is really all about. You know, there is some truth to what you see in, uh, you know, some of the movies. You know, it's intense. You know, they go, they they get, uh, you know, issued uniforms. They get haircuts. They go march. They do push ups. We put them through the paces mentally and physically to 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 harden them to make sure that they are, you know, up to snuff to to help defend America. But we also do it in a, uh, you know, a very intelligent, systematic, uh, you know, thoughtful way to make sure that they're stronger and better as an individual uh, for the experience.
3: I know some people want to do the military as a way to get maybe benefits in college and things like that. What is offered that way?
4: Yeah. I, you know, we talk about this kind of as what, you know, I call our, our value proposition. I think we have an incredible value proposition. And look, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, full faith in advertising here. Uh, you know, my my grandfather was in the horse cavalry. My dad was in the air cavalry. I'm in the Air Force. I've got two sons in the Air Force, a son and son-in-law. Wow, that's in a the, whole family. Uh, you know, that's amazing. Army. Yeah, my daughter's in the intelligence community, so it's kind of the family business. But if I could show people what I've seen and experienced, what many Americans experience in the military, recruiting wouldn't be a problem at all. Uh, we would have people lined up because there is a misconception and they just they don't know. But let me talk about the, the benefits you talked about. You know, there's a few reasons people join, and one of them is opportunity. And that opportunity, you know, includes uh, you know, kind of still the American dream that's still possible in the military. The financial benefits from pay to housing, tax-free benefits to the education, the training, the job skills, the retirement package if they stay that long i'm I'm happy to say, after being in uniform for well over three decades, that we've still got a benefit package that is well intact.
3: Where can people go, general, to get more information if they're interested or if they have maybe a family member or a child who's interested?
4: Yeah, I appreciate it. so so two sources at airforce dot com. And SpaceForce.com for joining the Air Force, AirForce.com for joining the Space Force as a guardian, SpaceForce.com, that'll give you an entry point, help you connect with a recruiter. And we would love to talk to anybody who's interested in serving because we just believe that we've got so much to offer and we can offer a ride of a lifetime in the Department of the Air Force.
3: Major General Ed Thomas, U.S. Air Force Commander for the Recruiting Service. Thank you very much for
4: joining us. Dave, thanks so much for the time today and aim high.
6: from the fox news podcasts network in these ever-changing times you can rely on fox news for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts rate and review the fox news rundown on apple podcasts or wherever you listen it's time for your fox news commentary
3: what's on your mind
5: if the leech draft opinion holds true, the landmark abortion case Roe v. Wade could be overturned by the high court any day now. The Democrats appear to be very upset at that prospect, but don't let their faux outrage fool you. Their party needs this. Yeah, sure, Democrats and radical leftists from coast to coast sure do love abortion rights, but not as much as they love political power. And the national outrage this opinion has already caused may be just the thing and the only thing that could save the Democrats from an absolute walloping in November midterms. Abortion and the pro-choice versus pro-life debate has been and always will be a hot-button issue. It's emotional in nature and just the kind of issue the Democrats would love to campaign on. And quite frankly, it's all they have. Democrats can't run on record Biden's or their own. Inflation, gas prices, an open border, international conflict, and a president and vice president who can't put out a cohesive or even coherent message to save their lives or their party's votes. It seems the only thing our nation isn't in short supply of are illegal immigrants and woke Twitter leftists. And that's precisely why I believe the Democrats actually want the Supreme Court to overturn Roe this summer. It gives them a storyline and fires up their base, perhaps just enough to get them out to the polls in November. It also gives Democrats an excuse to pack the court, eliminate the filibuster, and excuse any and all of the radical means to their radical ends. It's no coincidence the Roe draft was leaked. It was all part of the plan, and now Democrats can sit back, as they always do and watch division, emotion, and identity politics do the dirty work for them. Just you watch. I'm Tommy Lahren, and that's the Fox News Rundown.
6: You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.